Today's show is brought to you by Team Snap. Sign up for a free 21-day free trial at www.tryteamsnap.com slash holybackboard. All right, everybody. Welcome to the 94th edition of the Holy Backboard Podcast. I am Dustin here in Rip City, and I got my man. Sage, chilling in Southern Oregon. Man, your boy, <laughs> a weird day. I was supposed to do some podcasts for some other people, but that didn't happen. So I broadcasted myself on Mixer for the last for about five, no six hours today. So it kind of gets me back into the this is the, this is what I was supposed to do radio and stuff. Broadcast five hours straight. You know, <laughs> after doing it, I'm a little tired, but you know what? I was so excited to talk Blazers with you, bro. Normally, I'd I'd be asleep, but for you. I'm I'm gonna give it everything I got. I know I felt bad. Uh, Die Hard ran a little bit long, and then Olga was staying up a little bit. And Anthony Bourdain, Parts Unknown in Seattle, was on repeat, which we hadn't seen before. So I sent you the text, and I was like, "Hey, can we do this at like 10? And you're like, "Of course." And I was like, "I appreciate you so much. It's so easy just to be like, whenever the. I mean, we both set aside time in the night to to record. Um, so just just in in this week of thanks, and then. 51 other weeks throughout the year thank you my friend hey man that's all good i was gonna be up anyway i'm not i'm, I'm not old i'm not washed yet i'm i don't go to bed at nine <laughs> so I, I was here for you i was uh, you know i wouldn't want to be any other place in the world but talking about this team so but before we, we talk about the blazers it is thanksgiving weekend um what are your plans for the holiday uh i'm going to my mama's house gonna Help her cook up a meal, have some friends over, and then... What are Sage's top three must-have Thanksgiving dishes? Hmm. I I, th- I mean, I'm, I'm a sides man. Tur- I can take or leave the turkey. So I want the mashed taters. I'm going to make some mac and cheese this, this uh, time. And then... Some stuffing. My, uh, my grandpa made this really crazy Chinese stuffing... And uh, my mom w- w- found the recipe, so I think we're going to try that out this this Thanksgiving. I'm with you as well. So your boy went pescatarian over the summer, so it's basically vegetables and any seafood. So no turkey this year. Uh, like you, I, I, can, I can take it or leave it. I'm not super worried about it. It's been a pretty smooth transition. For me, I'm with you. The mashed potatoes... Uh, I actually throw down in the kitchen when it comes to the potatoes, so I'm pretty proud of my skill set there. We're trying out a a real stuffing as well. Like, stuffing is my favorite, but just stovetop, it it doesn't – it just doesn't cut it for me. Like, it's good, but there's – there's just so much more potential in stuffing. Oh, yeah, yeah, I mean, for ours, since your dietary thing, you can't eat it, which, you know, if we were having Thanksgiving together, I'd be pretty psyched about, but (laughs) – (laughs) <laughs> uh, we have Chinese sausage, some sort of seafood, and we flip it into like patties. We put it into patties and put it on a wok, real Chinese style. And then uh, it, it's like the most delicious concoction of Chinese. Uh, I think we get it from like a Chinese deli a bakery. It's just so good. Like 
Grandpa's stuffing was fantastic. Rest in peace to you, Grandpa. And then lastly, Olga found a recipe for a sweet potato and hatch chili cornbread. And I've never had it before, but cornbread is top 10 regardless whether I was eating meat or not. I I love the stuff. So I am stoked for this year's Thanksgiving, probably more so than ever, because I feel like you can get really creative if you just find the right ingredients. So cornbread's in your top ten sides or food in general or food. what? Like if I'm having oh, a, if, if I'm having a last meal, like that's that is part of my side. Like that that's there. Word? Word, word, word. I don't I don't know if cornbread's up there for me, man. I mean, yo, know, your boy's too obsessed about rice to think about like bread like that. So I I mean my favorite food ever is like just some white rice, so any other plans for the holiday? Do you get into the Black Friday shopping? Are you going to watch any? Obviously, we got some hoops to talk about, so we'll be dialed in there. But outside of, of hoops, what's on the rest of the Thanksgiving weekend for you? Definitely do the Cyber Monday thing. Um, that's where I get your Christmas gift like every year. So I'm going to keep that going probably by your gift and my mom's. And then what about you? Are you are you out there at five in the morning, Black friday it up? Well, see, they, they they flip the script on you for Black Friday. It now starts Thanksgiving night, and, and I really have mixed emotions because I do enjoy getting the family together. Usually it's me and Olga or me and Olga and my mom, and like we'll, we'll go out and we'll, we'll see some of the deals at night. But I feel so terrible that there are people there having to work. So it's mm. definitely that, that catch-22 for me. But there are a couple things I am looking uh, to get this year. So I'll either get it um on friday or just over the weekend because businesses now especially brick and mortar they have to have them longer than just four or five hours on black friday otherwise people are just going to buy online so you know we've got i got to get olga's present and then we're also buying um some coats like an old navy just to deliver to all the different drives around uh the holidays because it, it last winter and even just any, any regular winter it gets really cold so anything we can do like we've cut back on spending for each other and just kind of pulled that money together and wanted to give it to um just those co-drives yeah you're definitely sounding like the more uh impactful positive guy and that's probably how things work and then last but not least um my company gave me tickets to pk80 the championship games snap they know how to get to your heart oh they most definitely do so hopefully my, my Oregon ducks will be in the title game but if not um you know your boy will be doing some firsthand scouting at the 2018 draft because there are some squads um at pk80 i mean we've got obviously oregon you've got the local teams in portland portland state but then you've got the heavy hitters duke michigan state north carolina um the mid majors who have made major moves in recent years butler gonzaga um, and some some teams from the SEC, Arkansas, uh, Florida. So it's going to be – and then UConn. UConn's won multiple natties as well. So it's going to be an awesome tournament. Can't wait to watch the games and then go get to see them live. And then speaking of hoops, our boys, the Trailblazers, which you're here to hear about, had a very Jekyll and Hyde week. They went 2-1, and one, and in true Blazer fashion – Looked amazing against the Magic in a 99-94 victory. Dropped uh, an egg. I mean, just one of the worst performances I think we have seen all year. Uh, an 86-82 loss to the Sacramento Kings. 
on Friday and remind you this was the same Kings team that had just been defeated by the lowly Atlanta Hawks by 46 points. Thankfully, they rebounded the night after and handled business 102-290. Sage, all things considered, the Trailblazers are still sitting at 9-7 and in the Western Conference, which somehow is good enough for fifth, and they are really mm. three and a half games out of first. So that is the bright side right there, that they are still in playoff contention. And then really outside of Houston and Golden State, every team seems to having these ebbs and flows throughout the season. Mm. On the downside, Portland has had a just a butter soft Twinkie start to the schedule. I mean, I, I couldn't have scripted an easier schedule looking back and even when it came out these first 16 games. And so if I was playing schedule maker and going through preseason and looking at, at the first 16, you know, you would have hoped they would have been at 12, 13 wins. So to see them at nine and seven is definitely a, a major disappointment. But on one hand, they're still in the thick of things. On mm. the other hand, they didn't take advantage. And now the schedule really picks up. We're going to go through the entire five game road trip uh, later on in the the podcast. So they really can take this season and I mean I know it's early and, and everyone really has 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 their own destiny. They can they can change their own destiny essentially, but I mean they now have to really put up or shut up because that that was the easy part of the schedule. It mm. only gets gets tougher. But of those three games, the two opponents what are some things that stood out to you um, over the past week? We don't like playing as a team until the or the opposing team catches up. Like we might get in a run and then forget to pass the ball, forget to share it, ISO a lot, take bad mid range jumpers, and then for whatever reason we get put our heads on straight and then we beat the shit out of the Kings. The first quarter against the Magic, we looked awful, but. We got our shit together and started playing the way we like. You know, the the thing that's annoyed me the most is Nurk. You can tell when he's going to have a good game or not. He He either comes out feeling and looking like a dominant center, or it looks like he just doesn't give a crap. That kind of worries me if we're going to give him... Hundred million dollars that he has to get motivated for games and can't just be ready to play. If you look at you know a quarter or like of any of the three games, and I know that they apparently he's sick, but if you look at any of those games, it wasn't the same Nurkic that we saw last year. It was a more lazy swiping at balls when people get ahead of him type of player and. I don't want to give a hundred million to a guy that gets you fourteen points and seven rebounds. Yeah, he had eleven points, eight boards, five assists against the Magic. He did a nice defensive job on Vucevic. The Magic also did a nice defensive job on Vucevic by not getting him the ball at all. Their their offense in the second quarter was awful. It was drives with with Jonathan Simmons, like just isoing at the top of the key. What kind of offense is that with? A dude who sucked in high school, sucked in college, and was good for a few seasons. Like, 
Vogel's a smart guy, but they doomed themselves doing that type of offense. I think Orlando got into a shooting contest with Portland, and that is something that that roster should not do. Uh, I thought Von Ley did an exceptional job on Aaron Gordon, forcing mm-hmm. him out on the perimeter and not letting him use his athleticism to drive to the basket. Uh, he settled for a lot of jump shots. Um, Alfred Payton, who usually gives Dame a, a tough time, was unable to to slow slow him down. I think we we discussed on last week's episode how the Magic have traditionally given Damian Lillard problems, but last year he started to seem to solve a few of them and. In, on Wednesday, he was simply brilliant. You know, 26 points, 7 assists, 11 rebounds in 37 minutes of action. But what I thought was very interesting was kind of the evolution of the three-guard lineup that we saw. Oh, yeah. That was dope. In Orlando when it was Dame, Shabazz, and CJ for long, long stretches. And mm-hmm. then they had the traditional bigs. So you had like Noah or Swanigan along, along with Nurkic. I think that is something that we are going to see more of because mm. Shabazz Napier, who had, uh, I believe it might have been a career high 19 points. He was a f- perfect five or five from downtown in, in that game against Orlando. He just can flat out play basketball. He mm. can distribute if need be, but he can score when opportunities are presented to him and he doesn't force the action. He always finds himself in the right place at the right time. So he's got a high basketball intelligence. He's finding the spots on the floor where he knows he's going to get open and he makes the defenses pay. And he is just a, just a fucking pest on defense. Mm -hmm. He's really exerting a lot of energy. And as a fan, I just appreciate his hustle. I mean, that's that's just hustle. He is out there wanting it more Mm -hmm. than his, than his counterparts. I was, I was watching a, uh, a Comcast Northwest or whatever their thing is now where they're interviewing Shabazz and he talked about how losing hurts, how he'll do anything to win. And that's the type of stuff that Chris Paul says that winning players say, I like the fact that it hurts him. It physically hurts him to lose. I remember in 2012, I fell in love with Michael Kidd Gilchrist because he said he cries whenever he loses. That type of passion is so dope to have in a player on your team. I remember Anthony Davis said, well, we I lost a lot in high school. I'm used to it. But MKG said, no, that's not going to happen on my watch. I'm going to play hard and try and win every game. I like that. And especially as a backup point guard, I like the fact that he's going to hustle harder than everybody else for his for his minutes, for his shots. So we saw the good in the Blazers in Terry Stotts changing rotations. And I think this one was a good move on Stotts' part. Napier over the past two weeks has really shown that he's deserving of minutes. Like when he gets in there and plays well, the team traditionally plays well. However, Portland got out to a sluggish start in Sacramento, but was still up 20-15 to 15 towards the end of the first quarter. And then Stotts decides to throw in Jake Lehman for, I think, the first time maybe since opening night. Um, throws in Myers Leonard for the first time since he returned back from injury, missing a couple of weeks. And you have this hodgepodge of players who probably have never even practiced together on the same team. And it resulted in the game getting even more mucked up. Uh, Sacramento went on a 14-1 to run, and that's all it took for a team 
that frankly isn't used to winning to believe. They believed they could win. Their fans believed they could win. And it was a dogfight the rest of the way. One in which Portland just could not solve a pretty easy Sacramento defense. All they were doing was trapping the ball handler high at the key. And as Orlando Williams pointed out on Talking Ball afterwards, why in the world was Portland bringing the pick out so high? If they're going to do that, just put a 1-4 set in and let Damian Lillard go ISO. Or if you're going to run a pick and roll and you don't want them to trap, run it with Damon CJ. That's one thing I've been interested, I'd love to hear your thoughts on. Why don't we run the pick and roll with Damon CJ? Or at least put CJ on the same side of the floor. Because you're not going to double Dame if you can just pass to an open CJ. Or you're not going to get the help man coming over if CJ's in the corner. Um, Why don't we do that, Sage? I don't know. Um... Maybe it because Ed Davis is not scaring anyone. No, and then the other guys on the corner aren't scaring anybody. I mean, it's definitely something that they should try and see what happens because you can't really help. I mean, with CJ on the court, you can't really hedge really hard and force it to be in someone else's hands. It might be something that uh, Stotts needs to look at, but I, shit, I don't know. Um, what were your thoughts on that lineup too? I mean, when I saw Which it, one? I, the the one to start the second quarter when he just threw in a bunch of randos. I didn't get it, but I, for some reason, I felt like the Kings were like a uh, like a Alabama type of running team, where if they just had a little bit of lead, for some reason, they were just gonna get it. They were gonna like. Think of it as their precious and not give it up. Once they had that hope, it wasn't. There was not much we could do because they were they wanted that win in Sacramento. But they didn't. I, I, but my my problem was that they didn't even play well outside of Willie Cauley Stein. No one really had an effective per- performance. I mean, George Hill at fourteen on fifty percent shooting, but that's not really what you pay a dude twenty one million dollars. To have, I mean, Colley Stein was a monster. 22 points, 10 boards, and countless lobs. It was like we didn't scout them at all. And Ed Davis even said this afterwards. We probably took them for granted. Damian Lillard, after the Orlando game, said we've got a winnable game in Sacramento. As soon as he said that, I, I just knew their mind wasn't right. Um, We all knew it was a winnable game. They should know it's a winnable game, but you rarely hear them talk about it in the media. And so that made me feel like they had an extra sense of really unwarranted comfort. I mean, being a Blazer fan growing up since the early 90s, no game is easy. Uh, Any team can beat anybody on any given night. So, I mean, I just think Portland is not a good enough team to take that lackadaisical focus and when, it was bullet, bullet, bulletin board material for Sacramento. Oh, they think we suck. We're going to show them how much we suck by whooping your ass, by having our guys just out-hustle your guys. I mean, it was pretty amazing how easily Willie Cauley-Stein just got past our defense on a rim run. Damn near. How many oops How many oops did he finish? Like Felt like four or five. Yeah, like Easy. he was getting... Easy buckets. I think he ended up with 20 and 12? 22 and t- 22, oh. 22 and 10. Bad boy. And then 
I would love to have Willie Cauley Stein on this team, man. I mean, I, the way I, he moves, yeah. Because he was he was a for those who don't know, he was like an elite four or five star receiver in high school. Like he could have gotten a scholarship at a like a real big D one school, but went to Kentucky because of his athleticism and his way of playing defense. If you look at the way he moves his hips, they're fluid like a receiver's are, and that he uses it to good use in Sacramento. And then there were two other things that kind of bothered me about this game. One was the offense. It felt like everyone was trying to win the game themselves. There was no no ball movement, no player movement. We only had 13 assists on our 30, 30 field goals made. And then the turnovers, 17 of them, um, four by Nurk, four by CJ, three by Ed. I mean, that just can't happen. And a lot of them were unforced, just dribbling it off off your foot, um, getting into a corner, getting trapped. The amount of pocket passes we tried to make in traffic, even in last night's victory against the Kings, is maddening. I mean, it's something that, for whatever reason, when Raymond Felton came to the team in 2011-2012, he like it was the first point guard I remember for Portland doing the pocket passes. It, it didn't work. It, it is such a hard pass to make, and you're really telegraphing it. I mean, guys are super long these days, and they have better instincts. So it's like they're trying to make the the highlight reel pass on every single possession, and, and you just can't do it. But Portland did find a way to rebound against the Kings. Thankfully, um, one hundred two to ninety, and it really wasn't that close. They blew it open in the second half. I, I thought they just did a much better job of getting everyone involved. Um, they definitely were embarrassed by the the game on Friday, the loss. So they came out with an attitude, and, and I really would have bet the house that we were going to win that game. I just there's no way we we're going to let the Kings beat us beat us twice, but um I thought Nurk was much more active active in that game. I mean, he was only 2 of 7 in Friday night's game and and 6 of 12 in Saturday night's victory for 14 points, again 7 rebounds, 4 blocks. Again, How many minutes did he play? Um he played 25, so not a whole lot, but I, I don't think that's necessarily because of anything he did in, incorrectly. Um, it was more due to the fact that we were just ahead by so much when he was about to come into his regular rotation. But again, 18 turnovers in that game, and that's kind of where we were going with the, the pocket passes. Uh, one thing, I mean, there's not really much to touch on this game. Damon CJ did their thing, combined for 47 and got the job done really setting the table 10 10 assists combined as well um Myers I thought played he played he played he was a useful player he came in and you know shot 50% 60% from 3 seven boards 11 points confident shot the ball when it was passed to him and 22 minutes so that was a a good sign but Mo Harkless no points, no FGAs, no free throws, two assists, one rebound, one steal, three turnovers. That's a Dante minutes. Cunningham line, man. What is going on with Mo Harkless? Um, this has been uh, a trend. That his last good game of his, like month, weeks ago, he hasn't had a 
good game in a long time. I I think that they're putting him in the corner far too much. And people don't respect the fact that he was a don't respect his shooting ability. So when you don't respect it and you're just chilling in the corner, you're not going to really do much. I still think he should be able he should cut more, he should do all that stuff, but I don't know, maybe Terry Stott said, hey, I want you in the corner. You shot 35% from three last year. Prove that you're a good shooter. In 16 games, he has scored in double figures three times, no more than 13 points. He has not attempted, he's only attempted double figures in field goals three times, and he's not really shooting threes. I mean, he, he averages maybe one to two two per game, so... The I last... thought this was going to be a big year for him, too, with Crab out, the more usage, all that stuff. It, I think it, with how we're playing right now, with, yeah, we're an average-paced team, but we don't push in transition, this isn't the right team for him. I'm scared that if we lose to the Kings or have those bad losses... I think Neil O'Shea has a plan. He has a plan A, plan B. And if he's feeling the thunder that Rip City's had over those losses, like every one of those losses is adding to the like percentage chance of a panic trade. Let's say Mo Harkless, Myers Leonard, and a first for Camp Bazemore. Does that help us in the short term? Sure, but it takes away all of like the one asset we really have and all that stuff. So let's just pray for no more of those ass whoopings or losses to incredibly bad teams. Because every time that happens, I think one of those panic trades are more and more likely. And do you think Neil O'Shea would really make a panic trade? Because he has not shown any panic moves, I think, since being a GM. I thought he's actually one of his, I think to his credit, one of his biggest assets is his patience. That may be true, but man, I haven't seen the, 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 the passion of saying Neil O'Shea is a bad GM ever. And, you know, I think he has to be hearing all this stuff. So there's always that percentage chance. I know that maybe he might not do it, but there's always that chance. It's like, fuck it. Let's see what Kent Bazemore or let's see what Damari Carroll can bring to this team. Because we're not getting any production from the small forward. And it's it's a rare thing when we get some from the power forward. There's always that chance that something scares them. And honestly, if a wing player comes up, I in the trade market, I think the Blazers should be going after. Moe's not doing it. Evan Turner's, you know, hot one game, cold five. We're not getting any protection from that three. But Neil is signed. He signed an extension. He he's he he's good. I don't think he feels that pressure. Maybe that the players or, or Terry's feeling because he's going to get a massive payday regardless of whether he's fired or not. And I think Paul Allen trusts him in those those moves. If we do, you know, kind of pitter patter on on this, you know, sputter on on this upcoming road trip, maybe through the, the new year and it's still not looking good. I think he'll definitely look to make a trade, but he has always been about winning long-term and through the draft. I think if he was going to get rid of a contract for a first round pick, he would have done it by now. I just don't see that as uh, a possibility. 
especially when he has a good track record for, for picking players uh, through the draft. And, you know, you've got – you still have Damian Lillard on your team. That's still an attractive asset to have in terms of getting people to – want to come play with him. And I'm not talking about like adding a superstar in free agency, but like, for instance, when you bring in a guy like Nurkic midseason via trade, Dame welcomed him in with open arms. And now they've formed like a really tight bond. So you already have that culture in place. I do think we need to push the ball up and what happened and what was most inexcusable in Friday's loss was zero fast break points we average. We played I, their pace 100%. You cannot tell me that we didn't. The Kings are a slow, boring, bad team. We played slow, boring, bad basketball to compete with their slow, boring, bad basketball. That's a lot of B's in that sentence. There is no way, though, we should be averaging four fucking fast break points per game. That is dead last. Dame, CJ, a slimmed down Nurkish. Parkless is, is tailor-made for running. Noah Vonley is tailor-made for running. I mean, you've got guys. Shabazz wants to push the rock. Um, for all the shit Myers gets, he is athletic and, and can run. Same with same with Zach. I mean, we've got Alfred Camino. The, these guys can run. The only player who I said probably wouldn't run is Evan Turner. You know what's crazy? When I, I noticed this. Noah Vonley, when he would just streak down the court, he'd have his hand up like he was open. And I was just like, Doug, you know you're not getting the ball on the fast break, Doug. What, what are you doing with your hand up, bro? You're not getting it. We're, we're, we're walking this bad boy up. We're not, we're got to push the pace, even with the players that we happen to have. If you were to grade Nurkic for this year, what would you give him grade wise? Not looking at his stats and just the eye test alone. C plus. Mm-hmm. I, I would give him C plus B minus. But you know what? I see things. That he could be a B plus player without changing his game that much. And I, I think that's the most annoying thing. When you see a guy playing at a B minus level, C plus, but he could be a B plus pretty easily with some changes. And it's kind of worrying me that he doesn't put the effort in and all that. Like if he put the effort in, he'd be a B plus good player but man we got to play the nuggets for him to do it or the lakers with no one to compete with him it's a, it's frustrating and i i wouldn't i would not i would not be saying this stuff if nurk was a d plus player i see something in him that makes me disappointed that he's not following through on it i, I wouldn't be i'd be laughing along with you know oh jake layman thinks he can play that's hilarious no, but no, I think Nurk could be a better player than he is if he just took every game seriously. So we're we're in a pretty weird predicament with Yusuf Nurkic. We get him at the deadline, and it was really almost um, a risk, a chance. You know, the the prize was really that first round pick for Mason Plumley. However, he has this stretch of twenty games. Nurk fever takes over. He looks like a top five center in the NBA. Then he has the injury, comes back, and in game three, when he's healthy, he helps Portland to a 17-point lead against the Golden State Warriors. He goes out of the game because he just can't play anymore, and Golden State comes back. And it was really evident that he was arguably the most valuable 
in the literal sense, valuable player on the roster. He then slims down about 35 pounds, and he gets off to a really slow start this year. It wasn't until Von Ley moved into the starting lineup against Utah that he started putting up those 20 and 8, 20, 25, and 9 uh, performances. But even whether it was with Von Ley or with the Minu, he still displayed red flags. And those red flags were laziness on defense in terms of fouling. When he got beat, he would just slap down like he's playing park ball, and he has no awareness that you only get six of those fouls um we saw that in that memphis game the two quick fouls within god a minute and it just set the whole tone the new orleans game on opening night the home opener and that that's that's one red flag the second is he is really really slow when it gets to him in the post and he's he's dribbling and it's almost like he's like begging the defense to try and take it from him. Just the big dribbles. He's not keeping it low and tight. He's keeping it out out in front of him, and just it's so sloppy. And if by chance it doesn't get stolen, he's then just rushing a hook shot. I mean, he, he needs to really take his time in the sense of, okay, keep the dribble tight to you, make quick, precise moves. But if his first move's not there, have a backup move. And I think Portland would really be benefited by having a legitimate big man coach, which we haven't had since Kim Hughes. Like, if I was Neil and Paul and Terry, I, let's get Akeem Olajuwon coming to be a special consultant. I mean, let's get some guys that can help this guy grow because he is still a 22, 23-year-old monster just ready to be molded and shaped into a legit beast because all of all of the talent is there. He, he's got a nice jumper. He Our defense is top five in the league because we have him down low as our anchor. I mean, there's no way we're playing the same type of defense with Mason Plumley there. So he does give us a lot on that end of the floor, regardless of his his lazy fouls. But there are just some things that, that like you said, they're so correctable. I would even argue he could become an A-minus player just by correcting those three things. He Right now, he's a turnover machine who can play lazy defense at times and rushes and misses a lot of shots. Like he shoots 46% this year. That That's too low for where he's attempting shots around the basket. Um, you know, 14 and a half points, seven rebounds, two assists. That, that If you told me that's his stats through 16 games, I would say, I'm not taking that. Go back. Yeah, that's hit, Cody Zeller numbers, bro. Hit, and hit the refresh button because one, and this is more on Terry Stotts than on Nurkic. Whatever happened to putting him in the high-low? Put him mm. on the elbow, give him the ball, let him initiate the offense. He's a good passer when there are lanes. He does try and force some things, but we saw during that 20-game stretch, that's where he was really getting going, was by distributing the basketball. And two, this is on Nurk. I want to see him more aggressive on the boards. He is too much of a monster down low to average seven big. boards. Yeah. Those are LaMarcus rebounding numbers, and that's just... We can't have that at, from from our center. I mean, we mm-hmm. need him just to dominate the glass. You know, all things considered, the numbers and the performances are almost like he's already got the contract, and mm-hmm. that's what mm-hmm. you're worried about. Yep. Usually, you get guys who are on their contract year putting up just over-their-head type of numbers. Yeah, and, Marvin and, Williams type stuff. And we're not seeing it. So I've become more and more apprehensive about giving mm. him a big contract. I, I really hope 
we get actually a fair deal out of this because yes, he provides a lot of potential and the defense is legit, but we can't max out three play. I mean, like if you're going to max out three players, they got to be a legit big fucking three. Yeah, exactly. I mean, it's crazy, bro. We're about to pay this man. I mean, most likely a hundred million dollars. We can't hire, uh, like a five, but let's just say $500,000 for a big man coach. We're putting an investment of a hundred million. Can't afford five hundred thousand. Seems a little silly. I, 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 how did you feel about Nurk pushing Garrett Temple in that Kings game? Which one? The one in Friday. Or the one in Saturday. The one in Portland. I think it instigated because he felt Garrett Temple elbowed him. Um. On, I think it was the screen. Yeah, he's Nurk set a screen, and I think Garrett might have thrown an elbow, but I, I'm not sure. I mean, it's tough if you just isolate it to that one play, but the dude has been getting hit in the face a oh, lot yeah. this year. Oh, yeah. And when you talk about bad boy type shit, people, I mean, social media is a real thing. People see that shit. And I, I think maybe some teams are seeing if. Nurk is really that anchor for that bad boy lineup. Me personally, I was just like, duh, Garrett Temple's like seven inches shorter and a hundred pounds less than you. I mean, if, I it know gets you're him, mad, if, but if it gets him fired up, all the more power, but the bottom line is he's had three of sixteen games where he's had eleven rebounds. I mean, that, I mean that bad boys was getting all those boards and fucking people up defensively. We're not really doing that. I don't know. For me, it was just like, what are you proving, Nick? I get it. Get get the crowd hyped up. But if you want to impress me, push Zebo. See what happens. That's what I want to see. You pick on someone your own size. You pick. He's been picking on guards. Pick on someone your own size. That will impress me. That will make me hyped. But when you pick on Garrett Temple, <sighs> again, he's been hit in the face a lot. So I don't blame him. And it wasn't just in the regular. He's been hit in the face in the preseason too by Jack Cooley. Uh, He's 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 been mixing it up. So this is not. I don't think it's a lack of want. I just think he's got to be a little bit more strategic in the in the box outs and when he decides to kind of like you said not pick a fight but get 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 nasty in in that sense. If you're gonna, if you want to prove that you're tough, fuck pushing someone, box that motherfucker out, get twenty and twenty on their ass. I don't give a shit if you push somebody. Prove it on the fucking court. Earn that hundred million dollars, so I feel safe that you won't half ass it when you actually get it. Prove to me that you can do that, bro. Like, it, it was irritating, man. Like, Dirk Fever for me is over until he proves something, and. I know people ride it out for them, but man, there's more red flags than I th- want to admit. So I want to see Nurk play really well in these next five games. To be fair, it has been reported he was sick with the flu for the past three games. And every time he goes to the bench, he's got some sort of pad on that back. So I know if your back is pretty fucked up, you're not going to want to bang down low, box guys out, have their knees and their elbows driving into the small of your back. So I, I think there is more injury. I don't think he's at 100% is what I'm trying to say. So if it continues, let's start to maybe 
think about pressing the panic button. Right now, I think it's just a feeling out period. He's going to have some highs and some lows. He is a bit of an emotional player, and that's usually what you get out of emotional players because I, I know that. One of my favorite Blazers of all time was Rasheed Wallace. Sometimes you'd get the best power forward in the game, and sometimes you'd get a guy who who just looks really tall and athletic but didn't get shit done. Um, I think we need to wait until Nurk gets 100%. And I just think we need to give it a little bit more time. In the grand scheme of things, we're only 16 games into the season. I'm glad we have a whole year audition to figure out what to do with Nurkic, because right now I don't think anyone would be able to make any sort of an educated or intelligent guess as to how much he should be paid next year. All right. With that said, we're going to take a quick commercial break from our sponsors and we'll get into some fan questions and preview the upcoming week's games right after this break. For you, the listeners of the Holy Backboard podcast, Team Snap is offering a free 21 day trial. Team Snap is every coach and parent's dream, an easy to use, indispensable tool for organizing and communicating every aspect of team life. Sign up for a free 21 day trial in 30 seconds or subscribe to a premium package with added features like unlimited photos and file storage and customization unique to their team. TeamSnap also provides a free Android and iPhone app so teams can be managed on the go. All right, everybody. Welcome back to the Holy Backboard podcast. Dustin and Sage here. Sage, let's get into some fan questions. Uh, one we already talked about from Blazer247, what happened to Mo Harkless. Essentially, the Cliff Notes version. We're not running. I don't think the offense is tailor-made for him right now, but he's also not slashing. So I think it's a little bit of both. His confidence is really low. Look for the Blazers and the next road trip, I think, to really get him some early looks early on to get him going. But let's not lose sight of how good his defense has been this year on opposing wings. Um, Another question from 247. Will Caleb or Noah start more games this year? Noah. I mean, you know, I know people love Caleb, but every game, I he's a Noah, rookie. Noah looks better. Yeah, C- Caleb Swanigan is a twenty-year-old rookie who was used to playing Big Ten basketball last year. Now he's in the NBA. He's gonna have his highs. He's gonna have his lows. Um, yes, he is a better jump shooter than than Noah Vonley, but Vonley's a better defender, a better rebounder. He's more, I think, intelligent in terms of the NBA game because he's got more experience. You know, Caleb is going to be a good player, and he he's a really good change of pace guy to bring in there when you need energy. Uh, I definitely think Caleb is going to continue to see minutes, but... Yeah, he's um, not going to not play, but... But Vonley's the guy. Yeah. I mean, how many... In this day and age, with power forwards being more stretch bigs, how many lineup? How many teams would you feel comfortable having Caleb Swanigan start? It's not that many, because as good as he is, as passionate as he is, he's still not laterally quick to guard. Like, like let's say Ryan Anderson. I know in reverse, like Caleb could potentially punish Ryan Anderson, but you gotta you gotta be able to chase people around. Vonley is going to be the guy unless we make a trade. I've kind of decided that in my mind, I'm thinking of Caleb as a more skilled Reggie Evans. 
until he proves some if until he shows some more of that game. He's he's a trash man that can pass and shoot. Again, six sixteen games though and into his rookie season. I don't want to put any really labels on on guys. I think there's a lot of room to grow. I mean, I, I've seen rookies last year who are now just getting a chance to shine this year who I thought were terrible. S- little Sabonis, for one, I thought was just a bust. Uh, but, but, but he were pl- he was playing with uh, Russell. It's going to be hard to shine with but Russell. But still, Sage, I, I think we have to... I, we've, I mean, we can't be hypocrites on our own words. We've said from day one, not all rookies are like Damian Lillard and Anthony Davis. We can't be all about the instant gratification. It's just not going to be that way. I think we need to give, I mean, we're still talking about Noah Vonley and his potential and he's in his like, you know, year three or year four. And just because we still believe in him, I mean, it's, it's a process. We're looking at a guy like Aaron Gordon, who's just now starting to figure it out same draft class as Von Lay. So some of these guys, they're just going to take some time. I just think Portland's got to be a little bit more patient. Um, question from at the Blazers fan says, I like the second unit of Shabazz, Pat, E.T., Noah, and Ed Davis. It seems like that unit really works well together. What are your thoughts on that, that, that five? I mean, I'm rem- I think I remember a game where Shit, what was it? Was it the the Thunder game where Pat was just hitting? I mean, when 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 Pat hits, that lineup looks pretty damn good because because he provides that spacing. Pat's hitting and it's respecting everybody, which creates driving lanes for ET, which creates driving lanes for Shabazz. I think that it all depends on Pat Connaughton. Yeah, you know, I like Noah and Ed together. I think they provide really good defense and rebounding. Bash bro type stuff. Obviously, Baz has been playing out of his mind. And I, like you said, the kicker is Pat. If he's hitting the open jumpers, he's giving you 10, 12 points off the bench. It's going to make any lineup look good, and it's mm-hmm. going to spread the floor. Um, the only concern with me is Evan Turner. He's just the really the, the most... I think high variance blazer <laughs> we have right now. Yeah, stupendous is like do- having a tracker of how many times we say high variance now because we say it damn near every episode multiple it, times. It is it's so you, absolutely a, a perfect statement for this team. You started talking about it in terms of Alfarukaminu, and I'm just like, there's no better term to describe the Portland Trailblazers. I mean, you can go cliche and say Jekyll and Hyde you know we tied to the last episode you know Rip City roller coaster which it has been but that's exactly what they are like you just there's no consistency they're consistently inconsistent <laughs> um we have just a general NBA question from uh at NK underscore whoa oh he's a streamer on Mixer he's a really cool guy how good is Lonzo Ball? Good elite or superstar? Lonzo just racked up his second triple-double in a victory over the Nuggets. I believe he had like 10 points, 16 uh, boards, and like 13 assists. Still shot poor as hell from the floor and especially from three, but it is his second triple-double um, as a rookie. What are your thoughts on Lonzo? When I say hi, you say variance. Hi. <laughs> Variance. There you go. But I don't think he's high variance. I think he's just a terrible it, it, shooter. It all from- depends on the sh- that shot, man. He's going to contribute in rebounds and assists because he's so big. I mean, I'm trying to get NK to become a Blazer fan, but he really doesn't give a shit about the NBA. But yeah, I mean, I think Lonzo has potential to be very good, but 
that shot is the the the, the thing, man. If you're gonna be two for fourteen but get six rebounds and six assists, you're not really helping your team much. And he sat almost the entire fourth quarter of that game against the the Philadelphia seventy sixers. Mm. Uh, I just don't know what to make of him. I don't do you think, think he's, he's Rick, do you think he has a Ricky Rubio type of game? I don't think he's the defender. The, that Ricky not the Rubio defender. Is. Not the it, I, I think we keep and that we're guilty of this as well. We try to compare. There's really not been a, a player that you can compare Lonzo to. He's got an incredible height. Uh, his vision is really unparalleled. He's really good. Like, and he's uh, a, he's a significantly great rebounder. However, I just haven't seen a shot that jacked up in quite some time. And until he learns how to score, I I don't know if he's ever going to be... I mean, I think best case scenario for him right now is you are Rajon Rondo on the 08 Celtics when you have four, three or four other stars around him. I mean, I don't think he's going to be able to carry a team. He's going to be able to find open shooters. He's, He's going to be that traditional distributor. But right now, he is a better rebounding Kendall Marshall. <laughs> Damn, son. <laughs> but, but tell me I'm wrong. You're not, but damn. <laughs> all right, all right. I respect that. I, man, I've had, I've had to dig into some old right, Rondo clips. I don't know if Lonzo's there yet, just with the... IQ, but that's gonna that's gonna eventually get there because yeah, he, of more not, professional games. He's not games. the defender that that Rondo was, but just in terms of racking up those assists and, and being a good rebounder, I mean, he, a bottom line, and I think Charles Barkley touched on this on on Inside the NBA after I think the Blazers actually beat the Lakers is when Lon, the way Lonzo shoots the trajectory, he can only go one way, and so defenses are going to key into that, and. Uh, I just think his shot is going to have to be completely reworked in in the offseason to be a quicker release. It's too it's not it's not because it's unconventional. It's just it takes too long. Yeah, cannot, it's just elongated. You can't in, in in the NBA everyone is quick, everyone is fast, everyone is wasn't all American in college. Like they're going to close out on you and you no, know, we saw in the summer league it was an issue. Well, sorry, G League guys aren't in the NBA anymore. I mean, you're you're going up against guys like John Wall and Damian Lillard and Pat Beverly, Pat, they 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 know and mm-hmm. they're gonna they're gonna they they'll sense blood in the water and they'll attack mm-hmm. and they'll make you feel it on the defensive end of the court as well. But moving on from Lonzo, I want to touch on one other thing before we go into the, the week's games. How fucking good is Joel Embiid, bud? I I think people look at him and project in the future with him a lot. People are saying that he's better than Anthony Davis now, but I don't know. Like, remember that Chris Rock joke where Bill Gates would commit suicide if he had Oprah's money? That's how I think AD would feel if he had Joel Embiid's stats. AD's had that. Embiid is fucking fantastic to watch right now, but enjoy him for what he is right now. Right now, it is some wonderful basketball. But we got to slow down with that type of stuff. But well, if we were talking with Tara about the face of the NBA once in five years, if if he's healthy, it's I thought about this with his charisma. You know, I originally thought it could be a faceless NBA. And for the most part, I still think it can. But if there is going to be a lead dog, it's Joel Embiid. He's embraced social media. 
He gets the best out of everybody. I mean, Draymond and him were drawing back and forth. He had Kevin Hart going, you know, crazy on the sidelines at Staples Center. I mean, the 46 points, the 15 boards, the seven blocks. I mean, he's just doing it all. And, you know, as a basketball fan, you just hope he can stay healthy. That That is, that is just... That is still a huge cloud hovering over all of Philadelphia and especially Joel Embiid because he's obviously talented. Um, but Portland is going to have their hands full. And before let, let's talk about Memphis before we we go in, into Philadelphia. Mike Conley is out. There is speculation Tyreek Evans might miss this game as well. He is questionable. Sage, does Portland? What what do they have to do to start off the road trip? I I think the road trip can almost be broken down into almost like a story. You've got your introduction, your body, and your conclusion. There is nothing more important than starting off strong. You have to have a strong topic sentence. I mean, you've got to kick off the road trip strong just like you would any paper. And usually, you can't re- re- regroup from from a bad start. So these first couple of games... Portland really has to nail. And I think the the scheduling gods gave them a huge break when Mike Conley, you know, he got hurt. And, oh, what do you know? We have Memphis in the next week. Memphis is a team that has really struggled since since losing Mike. They're now 7 of 8. They've lost 4 straight. And they are only 4 and 4 at home. To me, this is an absolute must victory. It's not going to be a must in terms of whether we make the playoffs or not. It's a must whether or not we really should expect anything out of the Blazers this year. To me, there 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 should be absolutely no excuse to lose to the Memphis Grizzlies without Mike Conley, considering how well we defended Mark Gasol in Portland. Hmm. I, I think starting fast is really important, man. They don't have... I mean, it's Rio Chalmers, man. If Reek is out, that's their own, it's him and Andrew Harris, Harris, Harrison from Kentucky. It's not a scary backcourt anymore. I, I think Dame and CJ have to handle biz against Rio and Dylan Brooks. If we can lock down Marc Gasol, it really is on our guards to just take us to this victory because Memphis in Memphis... They still execute and play really tough defense, even without all those glue guys. They, their culture is still all about playing defense. So if Damon CJ can be the transcendent guards that we know they can be, let's get this win and start this shit off right. Factors, one, early foul trouble on Nurkic. Can he just, he needs to play his, his first shift. I do not think if he... If he gets in early foul trouble again, I think it could spell disaster for Portland just because we have nobody else who could match up with Gasol. So in an ideal world, if I'm Terry Stotts, I mirror Mark Gasol with, with Yusuf Nurkic at every substitution. My other one is fast break points. No, they're not the grit and grind Grizzlies of old. They do like to push the tempo a bit. However, they're still more on the slower pace. Portland is dead last, as we've discussed, in fast break points. Is it too much to ask to get 10? Let's get some easy buckets, especially against a team that held us to 97 points at home and traditionally locks us up. That's how you get easy buckets. So those are my two X factors. Uh, What's yours, Sage? I would love to drive some free throws too, man. If we're going easy buckets, transition, free throws, getting those Ed Davis putbacks, let's put that hard hat on and really try and 
get those hustle hustle points. What's your prediction? I think we win. If Tyreek is back, it makes it a little more difficult, seeing as how well he played against us a, a week or two ago. But, I mean, if it's just Rio and Dylan Brooks, man, we gotta handle biz against this injured team. Take advantage of a team while they're hurt, while they're reeling from an um, injury. Take advantage. Step on their throats. We didn't do it against New Orleans, and this is our chance for redemption. I think you're absolutely right, and it wouldn't surprise me if we lost, given how the Blazers have played this year, but... To me, it's not important. I mean, obviously, a win is a win, but we need to look good. I want to see a killer fucking instinct from these guys. They need to be a bunch of sharks. There's a lot of blood in that in that Memphis water. Go out and feast and don't even make it a contest because they are without their floor general, and we have one of the best in the game. That should be enough right there to dictate tempo dictate pace and ultimately dictate the outcome so i do think we we will win um moving forward i think this could be arguably the most difficult game on on the road trip it is not only the the day before thanksgiving but we're playing a pretty hot philadelphia 76er team who swept the clippers and the lakers in staples had the warriors down by 24 points before Steph just exploded. Um, they're at home. They're they're in a home stand right now, and they are a team that they are healthy. Just looks like they're going to give Portland fits. Sans we, Marco Fultz, right? Even I, Fultz, it wouldn't matter. Like who is going to guard Ben Simmons? You've got a six a six ten point guard who's getting biz not even shooting jumpers. Who is going to guard Joel Embiid? And then, by the way, watch out. They've got Robert Covington and J.J. Redick and, and Dario Saric just, just lurking out there ready to launch. This team, if they project, is going to be the next team. I know everyone likes Milwaukee, and I think they could have some some battles in, in the future. But they are such a unique team that you – I don't know how you prepare for them. Um it's just such an interesting proposition that I'm really excited to watch this game. I mean, I'm going to get it out of the way now. I think we probably lose pretty comfortably <laughs> just because of the way Philly is playing. They have playing. a lot of weapons that really we don't. They have a lot of I, – I think paint points are going to come at a premium. I mean, you've got MB down there, and of course he might play 30, 32 minutes, but – we might have to figure out a way to get creative. Um, either we get really hot from three or our, our bench takes over. But that's asking a lot on the road. This is the game I, I just I don't see Portland winning. Um, if we do win, though, my X factor is going to be from production from the power forward position. Because I, I think Embiid and Nurk, at best case scenario, even each other out. Um, although Embiid has played at a much higher level this year. It just seems like whenever we get a great game out of Vonley, that really catapults this. And then you go to the bench. So I think Vonley and Shabazz, those are my X factors. Although I think Philly probably wins by 10 or 11 points. So how would you feel if Alfred Camino was 100% healthy? Would you feel better about this game because of his defense on one of the wings? Well, I would feel better because he he's defending Ben Simmons and you could probably easily shift CJ or Dame on to JJ Redick. But then... 
you're also having a point guard guard Robert Covington, which which is pretty tough. That that the the way they're put together is just so different than everybody else, man. I would feel better if uh Alfred was playing, which I don't think he will be. I man I'm Robert Covington just got paid and he seemed to really enjoy scoring a lot of threes on us. Like, uh, he did have the game winning three in Philadelphia last yeah. year against us. There are so many players on this team that I just don't really have faith that we can defend. So I'm also going on loss, and I think the X Factor is going to be Robert Covington. Those threes, man. The 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 the, the backcourt threes scare me. So if we're talking about road trip and toughest game, I wouldn't argue with me if you said the Brooklyn Nets is going to be the toughest game. Here's why. Not only is it the day after Thanksgiving, it is 9 a, a 9 a.m. local start for Portland. If night Pacific time, noon on the East Coast. This is a team that gave the Warriors all they wanted. They lost by like seven points. AC had 25 and they handed it to us pretty good. 101.97 in Portland earlier this month, two weeks ago to the day. This game almost has the most intrigue of all of the road trip games because you know Kenny Atkinson is going to want to go small. I mean, they put Damari mm-hmm. Carroll and Rondi Hollis Jefferson at, at the power forward and center positions. Nurk had it going. He had 20 and 10. This was one of his beast games, and Terry pulled him for 11 minutes of that fourth quarter. So obviously, I think we can get the X factor out of the way. And the X factor is what does Terry Stotts do when they go small, and how does Yusuf Nurkic perform? But let's answer the, the, those questions, Sage. What do you see happening? I mean, I, I think this is a really winnable game given Brooklyn's record. I mean, they are six and ten, four and four at home. But is D'Angelo I, healthy? D'Angelo is healthy, I believe. But as bad as that loss was in Portland, I think we probably lose this game had we won that Portland game. And I think we probably win this game because we lost that game. It's almost like that that revenge factor. Like we knew we let one slip away. So we're going to have to go out and play even harder to beat the, the Brooklyn Nets. The only thing that scares me, though, is that early start. We traditionally get that game in Toronto every year. It's usually a 10 a.m. start, um, and we don't play particularly well, and it's the day after Thanksgiving. I think this is going to be a similar contest to the the Friday game in Sacramento where it's low scoring, maybe a little bit sloppy. I think we find a way to get it done, and I think Nurk is is the X factor. I think he's going he's gonna to dominate their bigs because they have, frankly, no bigs. So, D'Angelo Russell has had arthroscopic surgery on his knee and will be out definitely. He'll be evaluated oh, on right. a game-by-game basis. I mean, that's right. Spencer right. Dinwiddie he has, yeah, he's, he's been playing really well in, his, in that uh, role, but Dame should eat off Spencer Dinwiddie. <laughs> um, I, I, I still think it's going to be a close game. Oh, absolutely. I think so as well. Just with the, the like... New Jersey, Brooklyn. Brooklyn is one of the fastest paced teams in the NBA with Kenny Atkinson. So they just want to push, push, push. And that's not really our thing. We're like the 15th ranked team on space in pace. So it's like a clash of styles, really. 
I think that we're the better team, but I think because of Brooklyn's philosophy of getting as many shots as possible, it'll be closer than we would like to imagine if this was the beginning of the year. All right, so we're both at two and one, and it sets up a back-to-back in D.C. against the Wizards, who I think are part of a handful of teams out east who could legitimately make a push for the finals. Like Portland, they've underperformed this year. They are nine and seven, identical records, um, just five and four at home, and are almost like mirror images. I mean, yeah, they've got, yeah, yeah. Exactly. exactly. They've got Gortat down low. We've Who's got played Nergich. really bad. He's played really bad this year. They've got the backcourt Wall and Beal versus Damon mm. CJ. We just haven't fucking won in DC, and God knows, however, and I know there's always a large contingent of Blazer fans in the mm-hmm. arena when we play, so it's yeah. always disheartening to see that we lose when we have so many of our fans there, but it's it's become our East Coast house of horrors, mm-hmm. and it's bad enough that it's on a back-to-back, but Sage, convince me we're going to win this game. The DC has a worse bench than we do. That's really ba- It's all about their starting five. So if we have a big bench game and our starting five can play as well as their starting five and our bench just handles business a little bit, we're going to win this game that way. I mean, shit, Tim Frazier is their start backup point guard. They have no talent on the bench. The bench is going to be the reason we win this game. Do they start both Ubre and Otto Porter? No, because Markeith plays. He get he's the starter, but doesn't play as much. So they do have one bench player then, because Kelly Oubre can get can get biz. He can, but I'm trying to convince you that we're gonna win this game, bro. So the X factor for me is, is John Wall. The guy has traditionally traditionally feasted off of turnovers. He plays the passing lanes. They are a team that really gets gets up and down the floor. I mean, they're they're always getting a lot of fast break points, and it's something that we will never win that that um, category. I mean, we are always dead last, and um, you're gonna have to edit this really quick. I'm looking up their fast break points. And surprisingly, they're only 14th in the league in, in fast break points at 10.8 per game. But in, in previous years, they've always been in the top five. So it'll be interesting to see what what gives. Um, it's really tough looking at that stat and seeing Portland dead last at 4.3. But alas, that, that is what the cards we have been dealt with. I I think we are going to lose just because it's one of those arenas that we don't play well in and I'll believe it when, when I see it. I, I think t- both teams are pretty evenly matched, but but games between us have just been nail biters down mm. th- these past couple of years, even when LaMarcus w- was on our team. Um, for whatever reason, they're, we're just so similarly matched 
watch out for Markeith Morris. Those Morris brothers. They fucking love going having their A-plus game against our teams. Both of them. It, exactly. So I think it'll be close, but I, I have to give the advantage to the Wizards because we're on a back-to-back. They are at home. They have traditionally handled us at home. So I'm going Wizards. I'm going win. You know why? Because I was talking shit about Nurkic, and he's going to prove me wrong this game. Marcin Gortat has been playing awful this year. This is the time for Nurkic to get busy. It's a Euro guy, so he's going to try harder. And we're getting a win, and it's because of use of Nurkic. To wrap up the road trip, Portland plays in the Mecca, Madison Square Garden, against the Unicorn. Kristaps Porzingis and the New York Knicks last year, Portland, in a similar fashion as to many games this year, had a dud. I mean, we we lost to the Knicks, a really bad Knicks team. And Kristaps had his way with us that game, too, and he's had his way with a lot of opponents this year. I am really going to be tuned in to that Noah Vonley, Kristaps Porzingis matchup because... If Von Lake can even come close to containing him, I think he's deserving of a contract because the unicorn is just that, a rare breed. There's only one of him in the entire league. And I think Portland, if they can neutralize Porzingis, I think that's how you're going to beat this team. They have been kind of a one-man wrecking crew this year. They're 8-7 and seven on the year. They have, like Portland, have had a huge home schedule Unlike Portland, they've handled business at home. They are seven and three. Um, they didn't. What I like about this Knicks team, they didn't let that choke job against the Cavaliers affect their mentality. I believe they came back the next night and, and won. So, and that could have been a, a season-crushing loss, having you know King James and the Cavs down twenty-four in your own gym, and just seeing him slowly, methodically hit three after three, and then just that step back to win it. That that could have been a deal breaker, at least for a couple of weeks, but they seem pretty resilient. I think losing Mello, um, I think Enos Cantor is actually a low-key culture guy. In oh, the absolutely. League. He seems to just really buy into any team that he's on, and it's it's pretty evident. So not only do they have Cantor who can get buckets, you know, they got that they got Porzingis, Tim Harley Jr., which was perceived to be just an awful, awful deal. Contract, yeah. He's playing he's playing really well. Oh, lately. yeah, yeah. In the beginning of the year, he was a lot, a really hot and cold, but real, for the last, like, 10 games, he's been very consistent. And you you talked about the Knicks' biggest m- potential mismatch. I'm going with our biggest mismatch. Damian Lillard versus Jared Jack. They're not starting Frank? Ah, it's JJ, bro. Jared Jack gets major minutes for that team. Like, rotate, like, starters minutes for that team. If that's not a humongous mismatch. I don't know what is, man. Jared Jack, the Blazers are great. He's washed. He's had knees. He had a pretty awful knee surgery. I think it's time. It's a dame time in Madison Square Garden. Yeah, I think the Blazer backcourt has to play their ass off because mm-hmm. you know Porzingis is gonna have a, a nice night. He's gonna have his. It's going to come down to Portland Stars versus Porzingis and the Madison Square Garden just just atmosphere. Usually, MSG brings out the best in all of the great players, so I wouldn't be surprised if Dame and CJ have tremendous nights. 
Uh, they do have Courtney Lee. CJ has eight Courtney Lee up so in the Courtney past. Courtney Lee is the Dante Cunningham of shooting guards. I'm not scared of Courtney Lee at all. All he does is potentially shoot threes. Well, he, he, he's he got plays contract. well against us. He plays well against us. He is a blazer killer. Not going to be scared of that one. I'm scared of Tim Hardaway Jr., who listens to John Connor, and I like that, but I'm going Dame. He has the biggest mismatch in the game. It's Madison Square Garden. He's going to step up, and we're going to win. I think Dame is going to have to be a big night, but I think the theme of this podcast has been Yusuf Nurkic. Enos Cantor is not known for his defensive prowess. We really need to post Nurk down low and play inside out. Make them commit to Nurkic. And I would also love to see Nurk initiate the offense from the elbow. This this is a game where we need New York Mo Harkless to show up and show out. I mean, this is his hometown. Let's run some screens for him, some cuts, some slashes. Let Nurk find him. Let's just open up the offense a little bit and figure out a way to... Just go at the Knicks. They're they're not known for their defense. This is not a defensive-minded team. This is a young team that plays off of emotion. They play off momentum. So if you feed into it with the turnovers and the lousy passes and the the silly fouls, the the garden is back. Like Those fans have been waiting for just watchable basketball to return, and it's finally there. Um, They can sense playoffs in November for the first time in probably four or five seasons. This game, just like I think, the only game I don't think is going to be super competitive is the Philly game. And that when you have five road games on the road, I think that that's acceptable, as long as the effort's there. This game is going to be another just back and forth contest. I'm going to go Knicks, just because I'm not sold on the Trailblazers this year, closing out games. We need to get better closing out games for me to start buying in. Mm. Um, I got two and three on the road. Which I got four and one. I think we're going to win. But over under. On yeah, and I was the one talking shit. Um, Whoa. I, I, over under two fouls by Nurk off a uh, Cantor offensive rebound. Push. Oh, really? You think it'll be two? Because I just see him getting frustrated that. Cantor is, it gets that offensive rebound because one thing for sure about him, he gets them. I think that he's going to get frustrated. So if he can keep his emotions on, in check, which I, I know is a humongous thing, I think we're going to get this point. I'm going 4-1, but I wouldn't be, I wouldn't be surprised if, if we go 2-3, and three, but I'm, I'm going 4-1. Yeah, I've got 2-3. and three. I think 3-2 three and two is awesome. Is so if if my prediction is two and three, I would not be one bit surprised if it was three and two. With this Trailblazer team, though, if you said they went zero and five, if they went five and zero, one and four, four and one, I could believe really any scenario. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> at this moment in time, yeah, it, it, I'm just choosing to see that we have major mismatches in certain games, and we're gonna have a team that's smart enough to exploit those mismatches. Will it happen in real life? Maybe, maybe not. We shall see. But there's just such glaring ones that we have to take advantage. And I think, I mean, obviously, basketball is a, is a team sport. And you need five five guys, 12 really, 
to, to, to win the game. But from what I'm hearing and from what, you know, you're, from what I'm saying and from what you're saying, it seems like it's going to come down to really the big three for Portland. I mean, that's what good teams do on the road. Yes, there are times when you just get that phenomenal performance like opening night in Phoenix when everyone plays well. Um, similar against Denver. I mean, our bench played fabulously. But I think overall, we're looking for big performances out of Nurkic, CJ to get his 20, and then Dame just to really elevate his performance. Not that he's been bad this year. I mean, Dame has been great this year, but we need 30-point games from Dame. And more rebounds and assists. I can live with him not getting the the rebounds as long as the bigs are getting it. Um, The assists, yes, I think it takes two to tango there. But I'm just looking for efficient Dame performances where you look at the shots and you're like, that's a great shot. That's like he's 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 dissecting the defense. I want just I want Dame just to slowly and painfully just carve up. I'm sorry for the gory references, just just dice up the the opposing defenses like we know he can do. And just go off. Maybe throw in a 40 point performance here. They're like, I look at the Rockets. And on paper, they're not a better team. But James Harden is playing superhero basketball right now, just at an unreal level. And I'm not saying Damian Lillard is a better player than James Harden or that Dame is, you know, a top five guy, whatever. But he's really fucking good. And he is a guy who I think in a stretch can put a team on his shoulders. You don't want any any one player to have to shoulder the burden for an entire year. But for a stretch, I think especially right now when Portland is still in that identity phase of are we a good team? Are we inconsistent? Are we able to close out games? Just so many question marks surrounding this team. Damian Lillard kind of taking taking over a bit and saying, it's it's okay, guys. For these five games on the road, hop on. I will lead. And he's always going to lead. But if we get just big nights out of Dame, and I know we're asking so much from him, but I really don't think he would want it any other way. And I just think if our big three gets it going, that's what's going to be the difference between a one to two in a road trip versus a four one road trip. Well, I mean, let's just be honest. Most of the wins are generated from big three. Like our big three has to show up. They have to get us to these wins. Prove that you deserve the money. I mean, how many games do the Warriors win when Steph plays mediocre? KD maybe has 25. Clay shoots four of, four of 12. And then Draymond doesn't, you know, get like 10 assists. Like, they don't win many games just based upon their bench. Like, their star players, and they obviously they have a shit ton of them, they play up to their abilities. And I'm not, again, this is not a knock on, on our players. I'm just saying, if we really want to think of those as a big three, we got to lean on them. And we got to get we got to get Damon CJ on the same page. That hasn't always happened. I think that's been one of, of the criticisms of that duo is one gets hot, the other's kind of off to the side. The other gets hot. The next night, the other one's kind of either not in rhythm or just not being as active or as productive. And the games where they do both shine are when you're like, whoa, team is scary good. And then I think it's Nurk. We got to figure out ways to get him the ball in scenarios that are tailor made for him. The pick and rolls that the ISOs at at the elbow, get him some jump shots, you know, get him some post ups. And if they double pass it out like let's just limit the turnovers and i just want to i just want the blazers just to take a deep breath and just just to play basketball i I think they might 
feel a lot of pressure right now, but the good news is we're 16 games in. You've got five games to to really wash away a lot of that that 16 game inconsistencies. You could do a lot of good right now because by all intended purposes, this is a tough part of the schedule. Just because you didn't take um handle it in the early part, if you do it now, it almost like offsets. And you're still fifth in the West right now. Everyone is jumbled up. You go four and one in this trip, you start to separate yourself. And we're starting to see that with the Timberwolves and, and the Spurs. So you don't want to get caught in that seventh, eighth world you know, whirlwind where you could looking at playing the Rockets or the Warriors in the first round. Yeah. Let's just let's win games, man. Let's let's have fa- happy fans. Um, are you ready to wrap this bad boy up? I think so. So thank you all for for rocking with us for ninety four episodes. If you like what you're hearing, um, we hope you sh- certainly do. Uh, you can find this podcast on Stitcher, SoundCloud, Google Play, and iTunes at Holy Backboard PDX. We are also on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Holy Backboard. Uh, Sage, I hope you have a happy Thanksgiving. Hope you eat lots of amazing food and any last words for our audience. You know what? I'm going to promote my stream site, man. I've had my first big boy stream. I'm doing all the stuff. Check me out at mixer.com slash desage504. Uh, get to play with one of my really good homeboys that I have like similar connection with in like a show type of way. So you get to hear me bullshit about sports and um my goal is to have dope hip hop playlists get back into the music game so check us out with that have a happy thanksgiving rip city and as always let's go blazers
Wherever you may be, this is Bill Shinley. Good night, everybody. Let's go! Let's go.